Well, welcome to season four, episode 30 of the Still Becoming podcast. I really appreciate you stopping by today. Now, today's episode is very near and dear to my heart because I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Ruthie Gray. Ruthie and I met about two and a half years ago, I guess now, at the Speak Up Conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I remember seeing her walk through the lobby one day, probably the first day, and I thought, there's Ruthie Gray. I follow her on Instagram. So I ran up to her and I said something like, hi, Ruthie, I'm Laura, and I've been following you for a really long time. I've learned so much from you. It's really fun when you meet someone that you followed on social media that you feel like you know, but you don't really know, and then you get to tell them how much their ministry has meant to you. And I got to do that with Ruthie. Well, fast forward to the next year at Speak Up, and we ended up having dinner together on the very last day, and that was really special. And so I'm super excited that we were able to schedule this interview and bring the conversation to you. I'm not going to talk much more because Ruthie and I have quite a lengthy conversation for you, but I want to read her official bio to you because it's pretty impressive. Ruthie Gray is a wife, Gigi, empty nester, and content marketing coach for Christian creatives, specializing in Instagram and newsletter growth. Her hobbies include Florida beach walks, RVing with hubby, and reading historical fiction. Ruthie is the founder of Authentic Online Marketing School and podcasts at Authentic Online Marketing. Her new book, Empty Nest Awakening, Weaving the Threads of Your Passions into Purpose, was released last fall. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So friends, welcome Ruthie Gray to the Still Becoming Podcast. Hi there, friends. Welcome to the Still Becoming Podcast, a place where women like you and me find help to move from where you are to where you want to be. I'm your host, Laura Acuna. The Still Becoming Podcast is where we gather to rethink our thinking about ourselves, our lives, and about our God. We will learn to reframe our shame and trade in limiting beliefs for the liberating truth from God's Word. And why the title Still Becoming? Because that's the Christian journey, isn't it? As we apply God's perfect word to our lives for growth and change, we are always growing, always learning, and still becoming the women He created us to be. It's never perfect, and it's not too late. Do I need to say that again? It is never perfect, and it is not too late. I am so glad you're here for the journey, and I'm praying that God will speak directly to you through today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. Well, welcome, Ruthie Gray, to the Still Becoming podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Laura. I'm excited about this conversation we're going to have. I know. I've been waiting so long for this because you and I are kindred spirits. We both have a call on our lives to minister to women in their midlife and beyond. Not that we don't minister to younger women too, but our primary audience is middle-aged women who are wondering what's next. And you have a new book out called Empty Nest Awakening, Weaving the Threads of Your Passions into Purpose. And we're going to talk about your book today. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Hmm, what should I say? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) Well, okay. One thing is next year in 2024 is a monumental milestone for birthday. So I will be 60. (laughs) And uh, 
I am not ready, but I'm going there because that's how it goes. I'm a mom of four grown children. Everybody's married. I got three girls and a boy. I have three grandchildren and their ages are one, seven, and 10. And I am married to the guy who does everything, literally everything. This man goes a thousand miles an hour from the moment his feet hit the floor. I am just playing catch up usually. (laughs) Oh, where are we going next? Oh, we're doing this. Okay, we're going to Alaska. All right. Um, It's just always something. And he literally can fix anything and he can literally do anything full of, I'm just talking about him so much, but I just admire him so much. He's just full of confidence in life and he's been an inspiration to me. And how long have you been married? 36 going on 37 in May. Wow. Wow. And to still be able to say such wonderful things about your spouse, that's an inspiration to all of us. Well, you know, I've learned over time to give grace and that I need grace. And that is the whole story of marriage is grace and learning to appreciate your mate and their strengths because their strengths can also be the barbed wires that, <laughs> right, absolutely. that grow us and sharpen us. And he's just perfect for me. I feel the same way about my husband. We just celebrated 40 years in November and I feel the same way. It's been a journey of grace. It absolutely has. And I'm more in love with him now than I was 40 years ago. Yes. Thank God. Thank God for that. Yes. It's a blessing. Praise it's a blessing. Lord. Praise the Miracles Lord. Miracles happen. <laughs> Miracles do happen. It takes work though. And it takes the Lord. It takes the, it takes the Lord in the center. There's no way we could do it by ourselves. It would just would never happen. So when I was preparing for this interview, I was remembering you and I were both at Speak Up in Michigan this past July, and Bruce Martin was the keynote. And he said something that made me sit up in my seat. And I I took notes. I came home. I even fact-checked him and uh, just to be sure. And I now share this in, in a message I'm developing on growing older. He said that studies show the most productive time in a person's life is between the ages of 50 and 70. Mm-hmm. And he even said... The most productive time is between 60 and 70. That's good news for you. (laughs) I remember hearing him say that. Yes. And I thought, wow, I'm there. (laughs) Me too. Me too. And it was such great news. And I have shared it with audiences in person. And I love watching older women's faces. Like some of them look at me like, really? And then others are like, wow, you know, wow, Mm -hmm. that's where I am right, right now. And it occurred to me that, why wouldn't the enemy then come after us around that time and tell us that we're done, mm-hmm. that we're spent? Mm-hmm. Because he knows we're heading into the most productive time for the Lord. Wow. It's true. It's true. I've I've found it to be true in my own life, and I see it in others such as yourself. It can be such an exciting time. It can, but you're navigating. We're going to talk about this in a minute as we talk about your book, but it is an exciting time, but it's a time of loss. Yes. there's There's no way around it. Things Mm -hmm. are ending. I was out with a girlfriend last night. We just were going over all the endings that we've been experiencing as older women just in 2023. How can we remain productive when we're experiencing all these losses? And I think it goes back to what we just said about marriage, that without the Lord in the center, encouraging us and bringing new life, we would be done. That's true. I have been on my knees more as my kids transitioned out of the nest than I ever have been in my life. And I remember different times in my life just dropping to my knees. It was usually at a desperate moment 
by my bedside. Lord, please help this situation. (laughs) But as my kids left, I just, and my prayers were mostly for me to figure out, Lord, I can't find myself anymore. And Lord, I'm sad because the era is over. And it was really my big goal to raise my kids and, and to, you know, raise individuals that would be a contribution to society and that would love Jesus. And I worked my way out of a job. I did it. You did (laughs) it. I was like, now what? I know I had to remind myself when they were launching that this was the goal, that they could be independent, that they could live far away on their own and separate from us. But it was painful. It was. And I didn't expect that because I had always celebrated their different stages of independence. And I was excited for them to go to college and to meet their mates and marry. And and then when it started happening, and it didn't really happen until like the two middles left, like I have four kids and the first one was, it's fine. You live 20 minutes away. I'm good. Then the two middles left for two different states. And I was like, okay, this is not fine anymore because I know, boy. And I just, it wasn't a conscious thought. It was just like a heaviness that dropped on me and a realization that, that my job was over and I didn't know what to do. So you are primarily an online marketing coach and I have followed you for a long time. I've learned a lot from you, Ruthie Gray, a lot. (laughs) Is it this season of life that prompted you to write this book? What prompted you to go with this subject for your first book? (laughs) The Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, I started out on my online journey almost 15 years ago, wanting to write. And I blogged. It was more of a, a parenting blog, mentoring moms to capture joy. Because I'd done this, I had met with moms in real life for years. They were picking my brain. How how do I make my kids turn out like yours, you know, <laughs> and stuff? Not that my kids are modeled by any stretch of the imagination. They're flawed individuals, just like their mother. But they wanted to know how to do it and keep them alive and not kill everybody and all that. <laughs> so that's just naturally where I started. And then I came to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't really want to write. I I produced two eBooks and they were hard work. And I thought, you know, I'm done with that. And I really built my business. And then God was the one that prompted me. He said, now's the time. 2023 is your year. You're going to write a book. (laughs) And he said it through different individuals. He brought different individuals and affirmations into, into my life. And I thought, okay, Lord, um, if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to show me how and bring me the people and the resources because it's been way too long since I wrote those other two (laughs) eBooks. And he did it. It was amazing how he just brought the answers around and only through his strength. So what do you think most moms misunderstand about the empty nest while they still have kids at home? While they still have kids at home, mm-hmm, like young moms who look at us and think, "Oh, I, they think it's <laughs> never going to happen because they're just so busy," <laughs> and and they probably just don't think a lot about it because you are you are consumed with you're the taxi driver and and you're the uniform washer and you're going eighteen different directions at once and you're multitasking all the time. 
you you're trying to fight for just a moment's peace. And so you really don't think about it. You just think it's really never going to come. At least that's how I was. I've talked to very few moms who've said, I really thought about it and I've I've looked forward to it for years being mm. in the empty nest and husband and I traveling and stuff like that. There are some out there, mm-hmm. but they're not the norm. No, it's a difficult, definitely a difficult season of life. So I love, I was telling you beforehand, I, I want to talk to you about page 46 and 47 because your tagline is weaving the threads of your passion into your purpose. And as a coach, when I coach women in midlife, this is exactly where they're stuck. What do I have to offer? What have all I've done, all I've done is raise children for the past 20 years. I have nothing. But the truth is, the absolute truth is that during those child rearing years, God is developing in you what's going to take you through the middle age years and beyond. There are things that he's developing in you right now. I remember feeling in ministry as a young mom with three boys, like, I had my feet nailed to the floor a lot of the time when I wanted to serve or I wanted to do things because I had the kids and I I wanted to serve God. I didn't realize that he was preparing me all those years for what he had for me later. So what you did on page 46 and 47 in your book, this is so good, is you listed your threads, the things that God was growing up in you and preparing you with for such a time as this, for this time of your life. Mm -hmm. And There's a lot of them. I'm just going to read them really quick because I I think it's going to really resonate with the women who are listening. Okay. Let's summarize the threads that got me here, you say in your book. Only child, intentional parents, godly home, trained in scripture, advice giver, college degree in Bible, theology, and music piano, fortitude at honing a craft, piano, the accomplishment of that craft, college graduation, (laughs) uh, culminating in senior recital gifted at teaching, gifted at marketing. You were a Mary Kay consultant. Mm-hmm. Yes. How many women were and it launched them later into other things. <laughs> Amazing. Capable leader when forced into the situation, student of knowledge, receiver of wisdom, naturally humorous, writer, trained in blogging, social media, and WordPress. And then you ask us as readers to jot down, what are my strengths? What are my natural talents? What are my learned talents? What do I enjoy doing that could bring in a little extra money or maybe a lot extra? And could I help support my household in the second half of life or possibly become the major breadwinner if you're not already? This is a beautiful list. And what I find, I I said this to you earlier before we went on the air, that women come to me and they're like, I have nothing. All I've done is raise kids. And then they start talking. Mm -hmm. And in short order, as an innocent bystander and an objective observer, I guess, I can see clearly the threads in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. So tell me, when did you discover your threads? Well, we were taken through an exercise sort of like this, but not really. When I was first learning to blog and built my website on WordPress, which was like with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And yet at the same time, everybody that has blogged gets it. At the same time, I was exhilarated by it because I was like, I actually can do technical things. I am good at this. It was a complete revelation. Somebody needs to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. And that was actually a, you know, I mentioned it as a thread. So we were taught, well, what do you want to blog about? What are you naturally good at? And sort of a, you know, a thread weaving of sorts. 
And it, it took me a long time and I was just really overthinking. And I think it would have been easier had someone given me kind of a blueprint like that and some examples like that. Right. And this is something really, I think community is so important. And in my communities and my cohorts that I train, I can see things in these people and they learn to see things in each other and give, you know, feedback. And out of all of that is sort of where this grew, you know, this list and just me reflecting on, I mean, there were some revelations as I wrote the book that I was like, wow, like the revelation that I mentioned in one of the chapters that, you know, yes, I was raised in a godly home, but my parents were community builders because my dad was a pastor and my mom was his right arm. And she loves connecting people in community. And I just naturally learned that from her. It was a learned trait, not an inherent trait. And I think that's good to bring that up because in the Christian world, we're so focused on gifts. You know, well, I don't have, you know, I'm an introvert, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. Or I'm an extrovert, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. That's not true. There are natural gifts that God gives us and, and the way we're wired, but we can learn things that are outside of our normal giftedness. That's what you're describing because you are an yeah. introvert, as you say in the book, but your mom is not. Yeah, she's the polar opposite of me, just like my husband. It's it's funny how God does that. He sandwiched me in there. Yeah. <laughs> so we did the two extroverts. And so I think a lot of times we want to resist those people that kind of, they challenge us, mm -hmm. but God is using those people to sharpen us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this part of the book because I feel like there's so much fear. I mean, we're going to talk about fear. Part of your story is that fear held you back for a long time. You're a naturally fearful person. I'm with you. I'm an awfulizer. I'm a worrier. I'm high anxiety. Let's go. Let's go down the list. I'm not an introvert, but we share a lot of the same qualities. And yet they can be overcome and they can be tamped down and brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? Oh, man. So let's just go ahead with fear now. Tell us about the fears that you've overcome, that you've had to deal with, look in the eye and make some choices about. Well, uh, we could go back to my growing up years where when I was learning piano, and again, my parents were the pastor. The church pianist quit when I was four years into piano lessons. She quit. And oh, no. my mom said, well, Ruthie, you're it. You're going to have to play. And my dad said it too. And I was like, I know how to play hymns barely and only in two keys, C <laughs> and F. And then it was G. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm having to do this. Yeah, that's I couldn't believe it. There were so many mishaps as I did that. And I was humbled in so many ways. <laughs> trying to play the piano for a congregation and hymns were like, they are the ultimate challenge for beginning pianist. But I mean, the Lord grew me and stretched me. So that was probably my first fear step. And then it was just one thing after another, you know, can I really birth a baby without dying? You know, <laughs> then can I actually raise these four kids without losing my mind? And then in the second half of life, 
I faced the fear of releasing my children to the Lord when they weren't under my roof and just Mm. being worried about them and, you know, closing down stores like Panera and American Eagle and walking to their cars in the dark. Oh, yeah. But then as far as personal fear, too, I knew that after I started blogging, the Lord wanted me to be more public with my words. And I was fearful because I knew I wasn't perfect. And I knew that my words aren't perfect. And I was fearful of criticism. And I, I put that off for, oh, I don't know, three or four years. And before I actually said, okay. <laughs> and let's just say this, it is scary to do it. It is. I mean, it's true. It's scary to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. It's scary that strangers are reading your stuff and could write a nasty review on Amazon yeah. or someone could do. come up to you and they do. <laughs> and some people misunderstand and all those things. It's like you're naked in the public square. It is. So it's not an imagined fear. No. But it's a fear that God goes with you since he's called you. He's not going to leave you out there hanging and he hasn't. The biggest encouragement to me is that God uses the weak of this world to glorify himself. And Mm -hmm. I mean, just think of it. We just went through Christmas. Christ was born in a manger to a couple that weren't married, went out, sent the angels to shepherds who were looked down on in society. I mean, so many, so much adversity surrounds the birth of Christ. He came to the weak. I am the weak. Yes. And he wants to use the weak. He does. He does. Because that's who we, we, you, you talk about this in your book and you talk about this in your ministry with your authentic online marketing school and your podcast. And that is that we don't want to see perfect. We don't need perfect. Nope. We don't need any of that. We want to see people struggling like we are. What's beautiful is watching people struggle and keep leaning into God, keep leaning into God. Mm -hmm. And like Mary and Joseph, you mentioned just now, we're living in a dark world more and more and more. We need the light of Christ to permeate the dark places. And we need to rise up women who think it's over and invite them back into the game. Yes. Be the light, shine the light so that they can be lights too. Life isn't over. Right. Life isn't over. I think a lot about the younger women coming up and we know, you know, from data that and our own experience in our churches that more and more young women and men, of course, coming into our churches have never gone to church. They've never, they don't have the legacy of faith that some of us were born into. Who's going to teach them how to be godly women if we don't, Mm -hmm. if we exit? Yeah, we don't really have a choice. Uh, If we're walking with God, he is planting desires in us. If that desire is there to speak or to write, it's not just for you. Right. Something that uh, I say in the book is if God is calling you to something, he's calling you to someone. Mm. And so a lot of times we think, (laughs) I know I kept questioning myself and really probably 2023 was the year that I, through writing this book, oh, it was a refining process as I know, you know. Yes. But it was the year that I finally embraced and realized that my desires were purposeful. Like it wasn't nothing. And so many times down through the years, I've been like, why do I want to write? Am I wasting my time? Why do I want to teach people how to market on Instagram and in email and teach them how to run businesses? I mean, is this like really something that is going to leave a legacy? Is this 
Is this nothing? Is this, am I wasting my time, Lord? Why do I want to do this? Oh, I've asked the same questions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because he's calling us when we're walking with him. These desires, they're from him. Yes. And they're for him to reach others. Absolutely. Absolutely. He gifts us. He wires us a certain way. Then we have to do our part. There's things we have to learn. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, like I I love what you said earlier. You said that, and I think it's in the book too. I don't think you just said, I think I read it in your book too, that it was such a a confidence builder to learn the technology. And I want to say something to older women. You can learn the technology Mm -hmm. and you may not be great at it. I'm not, but I learned how to I learned how to work the equipment for my podcast and set up the whole thing up, uh, taking a three-hour class from Stephanie Roussel and came home and set it up at 63 years old. So we can do it. Mm -hmm. We can do it. And it is a confidence builder. We have a choice to remain relevant or not. And God gives you the tools. As you take one step at a time, you may be scared of the big picture, Laura, you knew that God wanted you to start a podcast and it probably seemed overwhelming, the whole idea. Yes. But as you took a step at a time, as God brought Stephanie into your life, he showed you what was next. Just like writing this book, God brought me the next step through email almost every time. I was like, okay, God, I will write the book in 2023, but Please help me because I've I've lost the template for how to do this. I don't have it anymore. So boom, here comes here comes the email. Join our self-publishing masterclass from the Flourish Writers who I'd collaborated with, spoken for many times. I love Mindy and Jenny. I took the class. I was like, okay, God, I don't want to publish this book myself. I need somebody else to put the words on the paper, format it, and make my book cover. Boom. Market Refined Media reaches out to me. Would you please speak at our event in September? Yes. By the way, who are you? And (laughs) do you do this for people? Yes. That was the next step. I mean, the steps were there. I needed a developmental editor and this lady named Lois Flowers, who had lots of experience in editing approaches me, wants me to teach her some marketing techniques, says, I don't know if you're open to this or not, but could we trade services? Do you need an editor? Yes, yes. Praise God. Yes, let's go. (laughs) Every time, every time. When I look back on 2023 and think about all of the opposition that I had to writing this book, in all the ways that I learned that I need to say no more so that I can say yes to God Mm -hmm. and the fights that I had with myself and then finally crafting the time to write in the days that I had zero words that I never thought would happen. (laughs) All of the fight. And then I did it come October 17th. It was ready. And that was my goal. And it's just God. It's just God. Isn't it amazing when you look back and you really do know you did not do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you did not do it. It was all God. It's amazing. And this is, let me, let me just say something. Ruthie is special, but she's not that special. And what I'm meaning is that God will do it for you too. 
what, yeah. whatever he's laid on your heart, you don't have to have some special relationship with God and be some special, you know, set apart human being. God uses, as Ruthie eloquently said, the weak, the inexperienced, those that think you bring nothing to the table. He will develop in you what you're going to bring to the table and he'll get you there. He absolutely will get you there. And mm-hmm. actually that posture is a posture he can work with. Yes. The, okay, here I am, Lord. What next? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we get ahead of him, it doesn't work. I've, I've been there. I don't know if you know this or not, but life coaching is the second most growing profession in the United States. We probably can thank COVID for that because so many people came out of that experience wanting change. And that might be you. Are you in a transition? Have the kids left home? Are you thinking about retirement, but you can't make sense of how you are going to be fulfilled and serving God well in the next chapter of your life? If any of this resonates with you, life coaching may be your next right step. Let's find out. Head on over to my webpage, go to the coaching tab and fill out the free discovery call form. I'd love to encourage you as you embark on your next chapter, helping you uncover your God-given potential deepen your faith, and build confidence and authenticity. Although every client has their own unique story, my prayer and my goal for each client is that her life will blossom with purpose and faith and ultimately be overflowing with joy. I want Okay, so this, this actually leads into a really good question. And that is, how do you balance all of this? Because you now have grandchildren. You're caregiving your mom. You have a husband and an empty nest. That's a time to reconnect and all that, which is great. You have adult children and you have a business and you wrote a book and now you're in launch mode. Fun. So (laughs) (laughs) yep. how are you doing it? Because I know balance is important to you. Honestly, learning to say no, like I said earlier, knowing where God wants me and what he wants me to focus on. You know, every year I sit down with my cultivate planner and I pray and I ask God for word of the year and for the big goals, what do you want me to do? And then what are some smaller sub goals that need to be done? And I know my biggest lesson in 2023 was to learn to say no more. And it is easy as a content creator, as a creative entrepreneur, to want to say yes to all the opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can tell you that for the first part of, of 2023 Q1, I had to fight for time and I didn't actually get to writing the book until Q2 because in Q1, I was so busy saying yes mm-hmm. to opportunities and things that some things I shouldn't have said yes to. So I learned that I had to say no. And then in, and then in Q2, don't you know that some delicious opportunities came up that I had to say no to. God's but good like was, that. <laughs> he, he is good like that. <laughs> and, you know, it really taught me so much and that it really, it didn't hurt as bad as I thought it would because I had, the, I had God confidence that I was in my lane. That is something I'm trying to teach my people now too and my followers is to say no more so you can say the best yes because we want to gather knowledge. We we tend to want to hoard freebies and knowledge and, and take all the classes and do all mm-hmm. the things. 
that's not right. It's it's just not. And I'm probably capitalizing on the business more as an answer to your question. So let me spread this out a little bit because you mentioned caregiving and family and all that. Yes. yes. So with caregiving, I have learned down through the years. In the first 10 years, I tried to do it all. And I was doing both parents for that first, it was 11 years with both parents um, before my dad passed. So in that, the last, that last year before he passed, I had to ask for help. And he put me in a position where it, it had to be so God did. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, it was so freeing and liberating to finally get help. And so I have help now that allows me to travel with my husband. We live in two states. We live in West Virginia, where my mm-hmm. mom is, and we live in Florida. And so now I have a team that helps me take care of her. So that was a biggie for me to accept help. It also means that I work less. So that's why I have to say no so much and capitalize on on the things that move the needle and the things that I know God wants me to do. So my goal is to work even less in 2024 while still growing my business so that I can spend time with my family, with my baby grandson. And so that he knows who Gigi is, even though she's <laughs> gone like three and four weeks at a time. When she's home in the two and three weeks that she's home, She's very present for him and for my other two grandkids and for my kids. They still need me. They still want me in their life. Of course they do. You know, it's a lot of saying no, really, basically. Well, that's another thing. You mentioned that you're starting to teach that to your community, the women who you lead. And that's a beautiful thing to model as well, because we tend to, at least I will say this for myself, when my last one went to college, it was like pedal to the metal. I'd been waiting so long to be freed up to dive into ministry. I mean, I immediately went back to college and finished my degree when he left. So many things after that. But I think that we learn very quickly if if we dive in headfirst as life goes on, we we have to be able to learn how to say no and and to trust God. I mean, what you're doing, Ruthie, is you're trusting God that he's still going to grow your business as you're be, being obedient yes. and placing your priorities <laughs> in order. Yes. And Absolutely. Like the writing the book thing was a huge humility project right there because I wasn't working as much on my business while I was writing this book. Sure. But I knew that the book was going to be a tool that would feed into my business eventually. And it has almost immediately. And I knew I wouldn't have done this if I hadn't been so convinced that God had asked that. And what I'm also hearing is something we all need reminding of is we have to stay connected to the vine. (laughs) Apart from him, we can do nothing. And what the tendency to do is, is to do ministry instead of doing time with God and counting it as the same thing. It is not. No, it is not. It is not. Right. And so tell us about your morning routine because you share that in your book. (laughs) Coffee. Right off the bat, do not talk to me. I've got a sign that says coffee before talkie. And my husband, I think it was finally year 34 or 35 when he finally caught on. Because like I said, he's the guy that does everything. He's ready to do. He's ready to talk. He's ready to conquer the world the minute he wakes up. So coffee and the word. Uh, I have a through the year Bible that I love. I love it. And I have been doing this now for about 12 years. And 
I remember a time when I thought there's no way I can write, read through the Bible. And, and now it's just part of my routine. Sometimes I get off. Now I will say I'm still stuck in November. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's almost January 1st, but that's okay. Because every time I just, I love the word as a whole. I love looking at it as a whole. And so I will pick up the attributes of God at different times throughout the year by Tozer, because I think it's so important to go back to, uh, we tend to limit God, but Tozer says, God is not like anything, you know, right. And even the terms that we use to express who God is, they're human, they're human terms. We can never actually fathom the greatness of God and what he can do. And we tend to limit him because minds are limited. That's how he made us. So that's why we got to trust. And so, you know, sometimes I'll supplement with that book, but it's always the word. And it's always, it's always a, a time of prayer. Sometimes it's shorter. Sometimes it's longer. Always it's you know, throughout the day. And that's how I start my day. And oh, I do do a line of day journal too. That that actually is. Actually, my listeners can't see it, but I'm going to show, I have one too, a line wow. of day journal. I'm not a big journaler. And I love that you put that in your book because anybody can do one line a day. It's so helpful. I use the one from Krista Hutchins. She runs Do A New Thing. She does one. It's very inexpensive every year. I even mentioned it in the book. I've got to order mine for 2024. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> And, and so it helps me now, this is my, this will be my fourth or fifth year doing this. And I look back at all of these other lines. They're like, okay, so today is uh, the 29th and um, <laughs> we lose track of, of our days, you know, in between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, I know. It's like lost year, lost week. <laughs> so but I can look at all the other days of the year on the 29th and see what I was doing. And in January, I was struggling. Oh, how am I going to get this book written? You know, and all that. And I love looking back. And the Lord wants us to look back. He does. He wants us to remember. And we're so quick to forget. So thank you for, I love that part of your book where you, where you share how you journal, because journaling has always been a struggle for me. When I was a kid, I kept copious journals. I have notebooks in my basement right now of Um, but as I got older, you know, I got, I'm, I'm more like your husband. I'm more high wire. Yeah. Okay. Next question. We have a few left. What's the main thing you'd like readers to understand after they read empty nest awakening? Uh, that God's not done with you yet. There is something that you can do. You have to spin on it that others don't, even if it's the same, even, even if it's writing or podcasting or building a presence on Instagram you're uniquely wired and there's something and a message of hope and some someone that God wants you to reach. There's something you can do, even if it's to you, it's small. It's not to him. If you have a desire, tap into those desires, journal a little bit, write down your thoughts and get some feedback from some people because God has a plan for you. He has something for you to do. What I love about your book, Ruthie, is that there are some practical applications that we can make to grow our gift, our gifts, the desires and passions that we have. I mean, obviously it's all through the book, but the underpinning of this book is your relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is the underpinning of the entire book. I love that because as the days grow harder for us as believers in this culture, a lot of people are writing about that right now, people I respect about how the culture is going to become harder for us. 
We need women who know God, who know the character of God as you go through your the, the book by Tozer. You know, we need to know who he is and our entire underpinning needs to be our faith in Jesus Christ. All the other stuff comes from that, correct? It has to be. It has to be the hub. There's no way we can navigate the changes that we're undergoing and the changes that we see our children are going and their yes. children. There's no way. Exactly. Exactly. There is no way. And older people, older women, we need you in the game. This entire conversation has been a testimony to God's faithfulness over the long haul. Mm-hmm. And, and we as older women are able to say that to the younger women coming up, to our daughters who are raising children in this society right now, to our daughter-in-laws, to the young women in our church and other people that God p- puts in our path. We can be calm and measured and reasoned because we're standing on a firm foundation of mm-hmm. long obedience in the same direction over the long haul. Amen. It's so, yes. it, I just, it's so important. It's just so important. Okay. You wrote in the, toward the end of the book, and I have one more question after this. Hustle is for young people. The second half of life is for enjoyment and legacy. Something about that. <laughs> well, and the longer I, it goes back to my theme again of 2023 saying no, we need to learn what it is God's calling us to. And and the way that we do that is that we stay so close to him, like we just said, and get some feedback from others. But we don't have to, like, as we're trying to move into whatever it is God is calling us to, maybe it's a cycling club, you know, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's leading a Bible study in your home. It doesn't have to be something online. It can be anything. Correct. But as we're doing that, we will have a tendency to get wings and it grows legs and it gets bigger. And we think, oh, but I could do this and I could add this. And, oh, we could do this five times a year. And we have a tendency to run ahead of God. Hmm. And that's not freedom. The freedom is leaning in and trusting him that he has the next step, but not being so driven for numbers that we lose sight of what it is we're supposed to do and start hustling in the process. That's not what we want. That's not what God wants. I just picked up a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I've heard of this book. I just picked it up. Now I've just started it. And already, I mean, from the first line, it had me hooked. And it really goes back to Dallas Willard, his quote of, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And the reason for that is hurry distracts us from God. Like you said a a little bit ago, our ministries aren't our relationship with God. And we can get so busy in ministry or whatever it is that we get caught up in that we believe God called us to do that we forget the person, God and Christ that, that called us here. And he doesn't call us to hurry. Christ said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His rest is not hurry. It's the opposite. You know, and I've noticed a trend as I've moved around this past year with other speakers and authors, more specifically speakers, they are feeling a strong pull to minister to women face-to-face in their own community and are stepping away from speaking as much as they do because they're always gone. Mm -hmm. And everybody's seeing the back of their head And they're like, I just feel like God is calling me to do something in my home or something at a coffee shop 
and see women face to face in my own community. And I feel I'm, I'm not certainly on the speaking level. Some of these keynotes that come to um, events are on, but I feel the same pull to do something in my home with women because I do believe that I've been too busy to do the things that are right in front of my face. It's easy to do. I think about speakers a lot, you know, and I see them, they're always at this event and that event and they're everywhere. And this is not a judgmental statement at all. Understood. Because that is who they, you know, what they've been called to do. But sometimes I often wonder, what about their families? Do they get to see them? Yes. What do they think about them being gone all the time? As I, I'm going to share with you now, the Lord gave me my word of the year this morning in the shower. (laughs) Perfect for our interview. It's speak, but it may not necessarily be that it's speak at all kinds of events. It may be speak in my community. It may be go to the coffee shop with my books, which I do plan to do. It may be, I don't know. I don't know what it means, but I want to be open to what God has for me with that word. But I don't want to lose sight of my family. You know, I think that. A lot of times we get so caught up with ministry that we think our families should just, they should just understand. Sometimes we lose our families in the process. Our grown children are still a priority. They still need us. I've been so grateful that in my year of launching my book, I have never had to turn down an opportunity to watch my granddaughter or spend time with my kids. Last week, I got woefully behind on gift wrapping and all the things that are so important at Christmas because I made a promise to myself that I was going to meet with each one, all four of them, my daughter-in-law my son, and all my three sons individually for a long lunch or dinner last week. Wow. And I, and I pulled it off and I was wrapping gifts at midnight on Christmas Eve, but it was okay. But I'm with you. My family is my priority, but my husband is easy to neglect when I'm busy with ministry. That's yeah. where I could, because he's quiet. And he is so supportive. So yes, we we cannot lose sight of our main ministry, which is our family. We aren't saying when we have an empty nest that suddenly you don't care about your family anymore and now it's all about you. That's not it at all, right? It's not it at all. And you will never get that message from, from Ruthie's book. Mm-hmm. But the second half of life is for enjoyment and legacy. And in fact, there are developmental stages. I learned this when I went back to school at age 50. Um, there are developmental stages that we go through as we age and they don't happen at certain ages. Like they do, like a two-year-old should be doing this. It's not like that, but it's similar. And one of the, one of the phases of life that we're in right now in mid fifties to 70 is the legacy phase. And that's when God has wired our brains to care about that a lot. Did I say enough? Did I pour into enough people? Do my kids understand everything I wanted them to know? Do my grandchildren, are they getting what they need? And you mentioned your legacy. You didn't want to leave a legacy of fear. And this is kind of what I want to wrap up with. And I'm going to ask you the question about aging yourself. And that is when we step forward into the new season of life that God has us and we go afraid, we are teaching our children not to be afraid. We are teaching them that their mom is following hard after Jesus that she is still learning. She is still growing. She's still reading her Bible. God is teaching her new things and she's following where he leads. They are not going to remember how many followers we had on Instagram. They're not going to remember or care about that stuff like like we do, but they are going to remember that their mom didn't stop 
mm-hmm. that yes. she kept serving and yes. she made time for them. We want to pattern a legacy for them so that when they're our age, they have something to look back at. And, you know, God continually told Israel, tell the story, tell the story. Remember where you came from and tell the story. We can tell the story by writing books, but we can also tell the story by living a life of legacy. And I have a chapter on legacy in the book and Mm -hmm. you can read. I asked several of my clients for a legacy statement. They're, they're quite powerful. We leave a blank, a fill in the blank uh, statement for you to make legacy. It's so powerful and it helps you align your values, your passions, your beliefs, you know, with the will of God. And it's a beautiful exercise. Okay. So in this season of the Still Becoming podcast, I'm asking every guest, where's the grace in aging for you? What has surprised you in this season of life? You've just shared with us. 2024 is your big 6-0. I'm five years older than you. I just turned 65. Medicare is now a reality. (laughs) It's awful. Anyway, I mean, I'm grateful, but you know what I mean? So tell us, what is God teaching you? What do you want to say about turning 60? Well, I have never been a fan of aging. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) I am surprised by the wrinkles and the sags. Mm, Me too, (laughs) girl. And the thinning hair. And (laughs) I don't like any of that at all. And the muscle atrophy and you know, he's teaching me that more and more I need to take care of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I promised him one of another one of my goals for 2024 is to get up off the couch by 7.30 a.m. and go strengthen my muscles. Um, because I'm going to tell you, this 25-pound one-year-old <laughs> that is my grandson, when you are in the floor with him and you try to get up, I mean, it's really hard. It I understand really hard for me. And okay, so my oldest grandson is 10. I watched him every day. He was every bit as heavy as this kid. They We grow him big in the gray, gray family. <laughs> but I could get up off the floor back then at age 49. And so I am very, I'm in much angst about this. And so I'm going to start strengthening my leg muscles and everything else. That's the surprising thing. And and the grace is, I think for me, the grace comes back to my relationship with my husband who tells me every day, I love you, like Aww. several times a day. And he's just so affirming. I know that I'm not easy to live with sometimes. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just the grace that he has just been so supportive. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think that you have just come out of one of the most sedentary times of life, and that would be writing a book. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I was writing a book on taking care of your body. And what am I doing? I'm sitting in my office chair six, seven hours a day. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It is really hard. He is encouraging me. Even just yesterday, he said, Ruthie, you have to get up at least once an hour because I will sit at my desk for three, four hours straight because I, I think it's the time of life too. I don't want to lose my train of thought, you know? Yes. So he's encouraging me too. You know, you got to get that circulation going, you know? So, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I loved I loved that you wrote that, you know, hustles for younger women. And, and this is a time of legacy and rest. We have to take care of ourselves if we're going to mm-hmm. go the long haul with God. It's not about beauty or aging necessarily or looking mm-hmm. good or any of those things. It's a matter of being good stewards of our body and moving and getting staying strong so that we can be in the game for as long as God has yeah, us. Yeah, and we have so game. many people depending on us that yes. we want to give them the best of us. And the only way we can do that is by taking care of ourselves. Very true. Very true. Well, that's a great note to end on. Where can we find your book and where can we find your ministry? Okay. Uh, if you go to authenticonlinemarketing.com, you will find everything there. Okay. <laughs> you'll okay. find the book. You'll find uh, my marketing services, my coaching, my authentic online marketing school. Most people start with my podcast. It's called Authentic Online Marketing. With It's Ruth so Gray. good. It's so and good. And those are short bite-sized episodes that will teach you something just about every time in a short amount of time, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20 minutes. And I'll include all of the links in the show notes, including the books that you mentioned that you're reading and the journal and everything else. So you, my listeners don't have to scrounge around and try to find them. I'll, I'll provide those in the, in the show notes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I told Ruthie at the beginning, I read her book cover to cover. I love it. I'm giving it to friends. I've given it away in a couple contests and things like that. <laughs> it's really, really, really worth reading. And we were saying it's an easy read in the sense that you could probably, if you sat down and stayed focused, you could read it in a long afternoon or over a few days, but it is so worth reading whether you are in ministry or not. It, there's so much encouragement all through the pages of this book. And Ruthie, I really thank you for writing it. It's an, it's an important book. Laura, you've been just so generous and affirming and helpful in this whole process. And thank you for being on my launch team too. And just Yay. all the time that you took to just let me know that it was a valid book and, and valuable. And, and just thank you for having me over here and let me share with your listeners. You are welcome. I've loved having you on and I can't wait to introduce you to everyone who listens to the Still Becoming podcast. Thank you, Ruthie. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Ruthie Gray today. I hope that what we discussed was encouraging to you and has given you hope as you look forward to a new season in your own life. Now, before you go, make sure you take a look at the show notes because there I've linked everything Ruthie and I talked about in this episode. Will you please hit the follow or subscribe button on this page? And as always, word of mouth is everything in the podcast world. Will you tell a friend? Thanks again for coming by. I'll see you next time on the Still Becoming Podcast.